Hey, it's Mike at New York, listening around to different parts of uh, the world right now and uh, seeing just exactly what is the European view about a solution for the war in Ukraine. Obviously, in the last uh, 24 hours, we've seen uh, major attacks across uh, different parts of Russia in what has been considered to be one of Ukraine's boldest series of drone attacks that are essentially uh, the use of uh, flying remote-controlled aerial vehicles, bringing them out to Ukraine and smashing them into, uh, out from Ukraine and smashing them into different various targets uh, in, in Russia, some uh, of which have hit apparently an air transport base. Hours after those attacks, there was a Russian retaliatory strike on uh, Kiev and other parts of uh, the uh, Ukrainian uh, countryside. Uh, it seems to be the tit-for-tat war is going on and on and on. Viktor Orban, the president uh, of Hungary, has his views on what is the next and best thing to happen for Ukraine. His solution is to bring back Donald Trump, he says, because he believes that if Trump were in the White House, this war in Europe would be over. Here's what he said that talking to Tucker Carlson on the episode of Tucker on Twitter. So if you were in charge of NATO, if you were, say, Joe Biden, uh, what would your next move be in the war in Ukraine? What would you do? Peace, immediately. Call back Trump. That's, that's, that's the only way out. Call back Trump. Call back Trump. Because, you know, you can criticize him for many reasons. I understand all the, all the discussion. But, you know, the best foreign policy of the recent several decades belonged to him. He did not initiate any new war. Yes. He treated nicely the, 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 the North Koreans and, and Russia, even the Chinese, you know. He, he, he delivered a policy which was the best one for Middle, for Middle East, Abraham Accords. Yes. So, so that was a very good foreign policy. He had, you know, he's criticized that he's not, you know, he's not educated enough to understand the world. But this is not the case. Facts count. And his foreign policy was the best one for the world in the last several decades I have seen. And if he would have been the president at the moment of the Russian invasion started, no, it would, it, it would be not possible to do that by the Russians. So Trump is the man who can save the Western world and the, probably the human beings in, uh, in the globe as well. So, you know, just listening to that, can you imagine a president of a major country Hungary, which is a, you know one of the oldest nations in Europe, uh, has has come out and basically said they believe that their president believes rather that Trump is someone who can literally save the world. So can you imagine that? And you're not hearing anything about it anywhere. You know, I mean, you got Joe Biden falling off of bicycles and. And, you know, talking off his rocker about so many things. And here you have a president of a major country, which, by the way, is next door to Ukraine. You know, like, if something happens in Ukraine, they hear it. You know, they don't just smell the fart. They, they feel it. You know, it, it, it's, it's that close. It's that close. So if something bad happens in, 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 in Ukraine, trust that Hungary and, you know, the people in Budapest and... And all these areas around the uh, the area of Eastern European nations will will feel what is happening. 
I'll put a link on uh, this uh, Tucker Carlson interview and uh, what exactly it's, it's been talking about. And in the context of this interview, Tucker was asking uh, Orban about the uh, the uh, uh, situation wherein that uh, there is a lot needed to be done still in Ukraine, that there is uh, a lot of situations that still need to be looked at and finding ways to, uh, you know, make sure that what happened with the Nordstrom pipeline, the pipeline, uh, you know, Nordstream, rather, Nordstrom is that department store that closed down in San Francisco because of the extreme socialism of that city. The Nordstream pipeline in uh, under the, um, uh, rather, the Baltic Sea was, uh, was, was definitely, in the opinion of uh, Orban, uh, attacked by the West, probably by the United States, probably in a special operation that took place. Now, we, of course, have heard so much about this and all of these things that a lot of people tend to forget that, indeed, there is a risk, that there is a, a high probability that this conflict will continue until somebody finally decides it, 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 it's over. And one of the things that a lot of people tend to forget is that there are literally thousands of lives lost every day. Uh, among the migrants or refugees you see here in New York City and other parts of the United States and other parts of the world are many people who are from this conflict in Ukraine. These are legitimate war refugees. When I say legitimate war refugees, I'm not saying that those you know, who are fleeing the oppression in Nicaragua or in Venezuela and other places where there are some insurgent actions happening and some cases wherein the government is uh, is becoming increasingly more and more uh, controlling of their uh, people's rights and all this. But this is, um, by comparison, far, far worse. We're, we're talking about, you know, 170,000 casualties on the Ukrainian side alone. That estimate is not just something I made up and pulled out of thin air. No, that, that's, that's actual figures from the Ukrainian government's reporting on their battlefield casualties. The uh, Ukrainians are claiming they're killing 400 Russians a day. You know, 400 a day. Put, let that sink in. 400 a day. And then think that 9-11 was less than 3,000 lives, or a little more or less 3,000 lives. Pearl Harbor was about 3,000 lives. And it was led to major wars the United States took part in. So think about, again, what Orban is saying. Think about, again, what, what, what a lot of these leaders from around the world are saying. Bring back Trump because he can fix this situation. And what do the Democrats do? They pile on more and more and more and more and more and more cases. They go after Rudy Giuliani. They go after all the lawyers. They go after all of these things. And why? Because they want this war to continue. They want people to be desperate. You know, let's jump forward here to New York City and, and uh, the subway system where you have uh, people as crazy as Tiffany Cabot, you know, the counselor for Astoria. She's out there screaming at the top of her lungs, you know, all oh, this crime in the subways. That's not so bad. It was worse years ago. You know, you know, and handing out free joints to people. That's her idea of governance. Her idea of governance is putting people on drugs, getting them high, getting them hooked up, putting, making, making them lose their jobs, making them put, be on welfare so that their party can manage these people. You know, they'll be fed, they'll be whatever, they'll, be, they'll just be drones sitting out there. And eventually, they'll die. And eventually, her real masters will reveal themselves and the evil that is there.
And that is what the Tiffany Cabans of the world think about. That is what uh, these extreme socialists want. They want to destroy not just Europe. They want Europe tied up in that war there endlessly in Ukraine. You got to think about it. We're dealing with a crisis of bribery in Washington, D.C. right now. And a lot of that bribery was sourced out of, ta-da, Ukraine. Yeah. So, so we have a president of the United States in the White House who is basically on the, or was on the, his son was on the payroll of a major Ukrainian energy company who are benefiting a lot actually right now by this war because that, that, those companies that Hunter Biden used to work for are now doing logistics. They're now supplying or routing the supplies of U.S. arms and other NATO supplies into Ukraine. You know, oh, sure, it all looks very tragic. And it is the human tragedy, the loss of lives, the thousands of people who are dying, you know, every week and more in Ukraine is is a horrible tragedy. But at the end of the day, when you think about it, what is the root cause of it? And then you think about it locally. You know, that's what we do sometimes on, on, on this podcast. We jump from the macro which is the wide view to the micro, which is the local view. What is the micro here? The micro here is someone that's crazy as Tiffany Caban that goes out and says basically not to worry about being attacked on the subway because it's, it's only once in a blue moon that this stuff happens. Caban is wrong. Not only is she wrong, she's a nut job who wants basically everybody stoned so that they're easier to manipulate and they can easily be replaced. And you don't think, oh, replacement theory doesn't really exist. No, that's what you think. But they are replacing people. And just one look at where they're stashing these illegal immigrants and border crossers who are pretending to be migrants and uh, pretending to be um, people in, in, uh, in, in distress, pretending to be refugees, when they are not. I know of several cases, personally, of people who are refugees, who are trying to comply and, and, and get assistance to be able to fill out even just proper forms, which the city puts out there. But they're not doing anything about it. They put out announcements about, oh, we have all these you know, caseworkers helping you for the different schools and all that. No, actually, no. They're, they're prioritizing by color coding. Get my drift. If you happen to be from Ukraine or Russia or, or uh, Eastern Europe and you're trying to get help, or you happen to be uh, you know, of a certain skin tone and you're coming from South America, uh, no, you go to the back of the line. You happen to be from uh, you know, some drug-running country uh, out there that, that literally has put its people on buses and paid the cartels to bring them to the country to get better distribution of their product here, oh, they go to the front of the line. And you better believe they wind up in places that are run by people like Tiffany Caban and, and the DSA and, and you know, the, the, these other groups who support people like the you know, <laughs> kooky, crazy Bernie Sanders. You ever go to, go to Brooklyn and go into Bernie Sanders' family store, talk to his older brother, just sit down there and, and ask about, you know, kooky, crazy Bernie. They call him crazy Bernie. You know, that is their brother. 
And why does Bernie, why did Bernie become a socialist? Because when he was given a chance to run a branch of the family store in Brooklyn, he couldn't do it. So he decided that, you know, this, this capitalism must be evil, and, and that's when he decided to go into government. And when, when his parents finally did, you know, pass on, they really didn't leave him any part of the business. And so that's the other reason why. You know, because he tried to basically give it away. What his parents had hard worked up for. And taxed him out of existence. That's why he hated small business. You know, you have to really think. Look, look at AOC. You know, have you ever seen her talk once about her father? Other than, you know, the occasional teary-eyed word and all that. Well, AOC and Bill de Blasio, what, what is his real name? Wilhelm, Wilhelm, or whatever. Both had the same problem. They had dads who were pretty much activists. and One was linked into the Cuban uh, Communist Party attempts to, to sow terror here in New York City and, and other things, in the case of uh, de Blasio. And... Uh, there was, a, there was a bit of that kind of action also for, for AOC's dad. But in the case of William Wilhelm's uh, dad, William Wilhelm is the real name of Bill de Blasio. He changed his name so he could hide the criminal past. His dad went out and lynched himself, hung himself, committed suicide because uh, there was a terrible situation wherein he was actually caught, one of those few people caught spying and doing sabotage work for the Cuban Communist Party in the United States uh, working with the Russians he was actually kicked out of the US, US government one of the few government employees in the 1950s and 60s who was actually convicted found guilty and it wasn't just de Blasio's dad it was the mom too they were both into it and that's why de Blasio took up his mother's name. So he could hide from the shame of being the son of a traitor. You know, kicked out of the army, kicked out of the U.S. government, kicked out of all these things. So these are the types of people who are running the shows all around the United States. They want revenge for what happened to their dad. Even if though their dad was guilty as sin, you know. They wanted, they wanted, they wanted, they wanted... They want revenge. That's why Bill de Blasio wanted to run this city into the sewer. That's why Bill de Blasio made sure that he could make as much money as he could and, and, you know, and, and his wife could have the nirvana of seeing so many people homeless in the streets and crapping everywhere and, and doing everything that was possibly wrong and, and taking over a billion dollars meant for the homeless and really not putting it to any use that was muchly appreciated. And that's what you have. So, as I ramble on tonight about this, we have to think and move on further. Look at the situations and see what situations can be better developed. And lastly, as I leave you, let's listen to this little tidbit about uh, what happened last night uh, from some of the security experts on the uh, uh, attack that took place you know, in, the, uh, in the Ukraine. Where uh, you know there was there was a large set of Russian uh, missiles that apparently hit Kiev overnight, and what was the impact of that? This is the Mike of New York podcast.
Hey, there's a really good episode of uh, Tucker Carlson on X. You can also catch it on YouTube. I'm going to include another plug from him for his show as he talks to the Ukrainian, uh, rather the Hungarian president, Viktor Orban. The Biden administration described you in the United States and the media as a fascist. Are you worried about being crushed by the United States? It's dangerous, may I say. I'm not the favorite politicians of the liberals, unfortunately, but nobody's perfect, you know. There are certain things which are more important than me, than my ego, family, nation, God. Liberal originally meant freedom, but now in Europe, liberal means that you are enemy of the people. We are ally to the United States, and we are worse treated than the Russians. If you respect democracy, don't you let countries govern themselves? If you take a step back, the point of NATO is to provoke war with Russia. This is bad strategy. We have to stop it. We cannot beat them. They will not kill their leader. They will never give it up. They will invest more. It's a joke. It's a very dangerous moment. That's obvious to you. Not just for me. Everybody on the street. The third world war knocking on our door. You were just in an election. Did you consider at any point just indicting your challenger? Wouldn't that have been easier? To do what's going on now in your country, you know, to use the justice system against the political opponents. In Hungary, I think it's impossible to imagine. That was done by the communists. As war in Ukraine completely reshuffles the world order and threatens to destroy human civilization, it's striking just how little information Americans are receiving about what happens there. The nation of Hungary shares a border with Ukraine. Its leader, Viktor Orban, the nation's longest serving prime minister, has been dealing with the Russians all of his life. He grew up under Russian occupation. As a young man, he was arrested and thrown into jail by Russian-backed police for his efforts to liberate the country. And as prime minister, he's dealt regularly with Vladimir Putin, whose nation supplies Hungary with most of its energy. Viktor Orban understands Russia and Ukraine. So two years after we last spoke to him, we returned to Hungary to sit down with Prime Minister Viktor Orban and ask him what exactly is happening in Ukraine right now. Here's what he said. So you can get that on the uh, Tucker Carlson on X show. I'm also going to include a link to a version of that that I found here on uh, a different channel. And uh, we're going to uh, let you listen to that and learn. Because it is very important to keep an open mind, as Tucker Carlson says. There is a need for Americans to be better informed rather than what lamestream media is putting out right now. It was really sad for me as someone, you know, who actually used to work in media and and very extensively, uh, you know, different uh, news organizations here in the United States uh, and and Europe as well. And, and, you know, even though I was, you know, a, a freelancer, someone who would pop in a story here and there. At a certain point, you begin to wonder just exactly why there is so little reported on so many things. And, uh, you know, uh, to, to, you know, uh, this is primarily a major concern for, for many of us. You know, all these things that are happening that, uh, that, that, that makes... Uh, you know, um, a, a, an utter lack of, of not carrying, if it's not gender-based politics, if it's not, you know, uh, something that, that the left really wants to play up this week or this month or this year, then it just doesn't get on the, it just doesn't get on the uh, news cycle. 
And it's really sad. We are ruled by a news cycle. A lot of people don't understand that a lot of the foreign news you watch is basically produced by two or three international outlets and national outlets. And there is a, a national syndicate, basically, of news. Kind of, kind of works like a mob of sorts, where, where you know the news stories are filtered through, and all the stations put in their stories, and then a national group of uh, of uh, news directors comes out and says, "Oh, these are the stories we're going to play up." It used to work really nice because you had a lot of good stories that would come out that way that were local, that would not get that much attention, but would good rise to the top of the pile. But eventually, what happened was. Certain groups, especially the extreme left, especially the communists here in the United States, they wanted to take control of that. And Victor Orban is right. We do have a very active leftist communist uh, problem in the United States, especially working in media. And this is something that has to be dealt with. So, you know, there is a lot that needs to be discussed. You, you don't hear things, for example, like this. This is Rita Cosby. Listen to her. Air trips and uh, emails are the latest evidence that are bubbling up in Congress's great importance. Let's start with the biggest development this morning. Just a few hours ago, James Comer, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, uh, uh, sent a letter to the National Archives saying, we want records of all Air Force Two flights, that's the government plane that shipped uh, Joe Biden across the world when he was vice president, in which Hunter Biden or other family members were on a foreign trip for the government. Uh, we believe there's at least 15 trips that Hunter Biden took with his dad aboard Air Force Two. At least one of those, we know he scored a business deal in Beijing and that Joe Biden spent a few minutes meeting with the Chinese official who would eventually do the deal with his son. Uh, there is a belief, according to James Comer, that this will have repeated multiple times. And as he said, there was no government interest in having uh, Hunter, Hunter Biden on these uh, flights. It only could have been for uh, Hunter Biden's personal profit. And for the first time in a communication, James Comer said that the action that Joe Biden took, approving letting his son go on these government trips, was an abuse of power. He basically was using government resources to help his son search for foreign millions uh, for the family to make. So he uses the power, the, the term abuse of power, important because that's a term most often associated with an impeachment request. First time James Comer has put that into a letter, uh, and I think a lot of people should keep an eye on that. Uh, in our uh, interview with James Comer shortly after this, he said, you know what, we're getting closer and closer. A lot of people are warming up to impeachment in the Republican caucus. So uh, definitely a corollary there. Wow. And then on the emails, we'll get that in a second, I guess. Yeah, you know, uh, that is big stuff, by the way, um, when you say that. And of course, we just heard Kevin McCarthy recently saying that yes. it looks like it's inching towards that. Just so we're clear, John Solomon, yes. what this new information that Comer is looking at, where he says it's, quote, an abuse of power, this is yes. related to Biden meeting. When he was vice president, his son goes on Air Force Two, it's taxpayer expense. And he met with the Chinese official who does business with his son. Remember, of course, President Biden has said he never met with his son's business associates. Oh, yeah. That one's falling apart by now. There's no doubt. He, he held that line for a long time. But the evidence is overwhelming that Joe Biden was having dinner with Hunter Biden's business associates at the Cafe Milano. He dialed into about a 20 phone calls, according to Devin Archer. And uh, Joe Biden had a brief interaction after he took his son to Beijing aboard our our air flight, the taxpayer's air flight, right, Air Force Two, uh, and he met with a Chinese businessman that then creates an investment fund with Hunter Biden and his business associates. So uh, Joe Biden's story that I had nothing to do with my son's business is falling apart now, and that evidence is overwhelming that he did have some contact. Now, 
The real question is, uh, how many other trips did Hunter Biden go on where he ultimately had business? Did he travel to Romania? Did he travel to Ukraine? Did he travel to Russia? So that is what's happening in the United States right now. If you're listening from overseas, and a lot of my listeners are listening from, you know, outside the United States. That's how they're talking about it, that, that Joe Biden will likely be impeached by the Republicans in the House of Representatives for these actions, which were an abuse of power, according to Congressman James Comer. So you have one of the leading contenders for the presidency uh, in 2024 being viewed as someone who could save the world. And on the other one, someone who is selling the world. And that's basically what is going on. Two presidents, two stories, two differences. Sorry if it's a little bit uh, strange on the audio today. I'm just jumping around using my phone to do the recording as I deal with some issues with my laptop and also some physical issues. I've come down with a bad cold. Could be a rebound of uh, some virus or something. I hope it's not that virus, you know, because that kind of screws you up for a little while. But other than that, I'm, I'm relatively fine. So if anybody's waiting for episodes of things that I promise to produce, I will produce them this week and get it all done. Uh, it has not been the best time health-wise for me this week. I'm fine to an extent that you know, I'm able to get up, go around, all those little things. But it's just like that. You know, you feel that that, and you just don't want to be that all the time because it's that to do that. Yeah, you get it. Okay. <laughs> So God bless you. God bless these United States of America. I am Mike of New York, Mike Cohen. Please do like, subscribe, listen. Uh, and uh, hey, you want to throw some sponsorship stuff my way? Feel free to do so. To my one and only sponsor who still stays out there and sends in that thing every month. Thank you so much for what you do. God bless you and God bless us all. Have a great day.